You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM in New Haven. This is The Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel, and we're digging deep into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Davida Davison is a powerhouse of a woman. I loved her from the first moment I heard her speak at the Just Food Conference in New York City last spring. Being the daughter of a preacher serves her well. She's extremely eloquent and persuasive. But what I especially love is that she speaks with deep knowledge about many of the things I care most about in this world, food and vibrant, holistic community building and economic development, not to mention building relationships, deep, meaningful relationships between people across social boundaries. Davida helped build and currently runs Food Lab Detroit, an innovative food business incubator less focused on a shared commercial kitchen space and more on building skills and connections needed to support vibrant businesses across social and food sector boundaries. They start from a place of triple bottom line values, people, planet, and profit, and they work on sustaining businesses over generations, not years. When I introduced Davida to some friends over at the Yale Sustainable Food Program, they were eager to bring her to town as a guest speaker. We gathered a wonderfully diverse group of local folks to listen, get inspired, and share ideas of how to move some of this work forward in New Haven, a city that shares more than a few parallels and challenges with Detroit. I invited Chef Stephen Ross of Anchor Spa to cook with me using produce from the Yale Farm, and we fixed up a delicious fall meal, followed by dessert from two new local food businesses, Mmm Pies and Gourmet Desserts, and What Is Real Ice Cream, both previous guests on this show. Around the table were new and seasoned food business owners, community activists, City of New Haven economic development officers, students and food tourism folks, farmers market operators, cooking teachers and chefs, the kind of cross-section of the food industry you need to make an incubator like this flourish. It was such a joy to have all these people sit around the table and listen to Davida preach about food justice, economic development versus gentrification, food apartheid, not food deserts, and so much more, with such inspiration and brutal honesty about race, business, and culture that people were just enraptured and listened to her drop wisdom for more than two hours. I really wish I could play for you all that she said during that lunch, but we felt it was important that it not be recorded so that people would feel safe to speak freely about obstacles they face that are often politically charged. The conversation you will hear with Davida here was recorded immediately following this lunch on the farm. Oni Obiocha, a local social entrepreneur and I, sat down with Davida to drop into some deeper questions about what she visions for the future of this work and how to make it sustainable. You can certainly catch much of Davida's story and passion on her many TEDx talks, linked at thetableunderground.com. It was an honor to host her here, and I was encouraged that everyone around the table people with extremely varied backgrounds and cultures, all felt inspired by her honesty and the transformational work being done at Food Lab Detroit. It truly gave me hope. Hello, Davida. Hello. Hi, Oni. Hello. I'm so happy that you're joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about Food Lab Detroit and what you do there? Yeah, so I'm happy to be here as well. Um, I'm the executive director um, of Food Lab Detroit, and we're a nonprofit organization out of Detroit that supports about 200 locally owned good food entrepreneurs. And what we do as an organization, we provide technical assistance, um, access to resources, 
as well as mentoring capital, and most importantly, um, a diverse community to help Detroiters start, operate, and scale not only good food businesses, but also provide Detroiters with good jobs. And you do some things really differently at Food Lab Detroit. It's not just a regular come and start a business place. No. Give us a little idea. No. What, what's your special sauce that you, <laughs> that so, you do a little different? So I, I, I think the special sauce at Food Lab really revolves around not only intentionality. Um, I tell folks all the time that um, Detroit, Detroit, Food Lab Detroit is not um, your typical business association. So if you are an entrepreneur or a small business owner and uh, you're looking for that chamber or commerce feel, don't come to Food Lab mm-hmm. because we are not that type of business association or organization. Um, come to Food Lab if you're bringing probably three things. One is intentionality um, about creating a good food business um, that is very much um, based around, deeply rooted in your desire to start a food business where you want to use the power of business to tackle some type of challenge that Detroit is facing, whether that be a social, economic, or environmental challenge. You want to use the power of business to tackle that challenge. Come to Food Lab if you want to be a part of a very diverse community of age, of race, of ethnicity, of gender, and then most importantly, become a part of Food Lab if you have passion and love behind the people that you want to serve and the product that you are making. And so in many times I go to a chamber meeting and there are chambers all across the country. We have them in Detroit. And those network meetings usually happen with a handshake and the exchange of a business card. Mm -hmm. It's very typical. But at Food Lab Detroit, we're all about hugs and smiles and encouragements. And we're not afraid to say, I love you. I support you. What do you need? And really mean it. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's about building relationships along with building businesses. Mm-hmm. And that's the, what makes us, I think that's what makes us different. Right. So how do you deal with the hugs between like the kind of white hipster starting, you know, their grilled cheese truck or something, and they want to come into a neighborhood that's like a historically black neighborhood and and start a business there and they're not hiring people from that neighborhood and stuff. How do, how do you get those hugs going or how do you, how do you work on that stuff? Yeah. So, so it's a process, right? Um, and so the very first thing, um, that, um, folks will, um, be introduced to food lab because one of the things I do want to preference about food lab is that we are a membership based organization. Um, and you pay a nominal $50 membership fee, um, and it's annual to become a member of food lab Detroit. And we, understand that um, that $50 is really not um, uh, $50 that, you know, is um, we want folks to, to pay that because we want folks to have, I guess, what you call skin in the game. You know, it doesn't what they say, pay the bills, but it gives you buy in. And the very first thing that you will receive from Food Lab is a membership packet. And a part of your new member packet um, is a outline of our guiding principles and our expectations. And so we like to set the expectations um, right up front 
um, about one of the things that makes Food Lab Food Lab. And one of our guiding principles to your question, Tangent, about how do you bring folks along? Maybe this is a kind of white, um, well-resourced, new Detroiter, as we call it, opening up an establishment in the city of Detroit in a predominantly Hispanic or African-American community, is one of our guiding principles is um, you have to be humble to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is is that you approach that community with humility. And so part of Food Lab's what we call theory of change is based around three C's, cultivate cultivate, connect, and catalyze. And the connect part of Food Lab is what makes us really special. We like to think that we are connecting what we call unlikely bedfellows. So what does it look like when that white entrepreneur who may be new to Detroit and well-resourced is at the table or at a meeting with an older entrepreneur, a generational entrepreneur that has lived in Detroit for many generations that may be older, who may be black, um, and has lived in that neighborhood. What does that exchange look like? And so while this entrepreneur may be think that they're creating a wonderful thing and they've come up with this grilled cheese, um, you know, food truck or grilled cheese restaurant where they're serving 35 different grilled cheese with every Thing from Gruyere all the way to non-pasteurized, I don't know, cheddar. Like, it's going to be that grandmama that is going to ground them. It's going to be that Detroiter who's going to ask them some real questions in terms of, uh, um, uh, well, what's Gruyere, baby? Like, I don't, well, what, 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 what is that? Mm-hmm. He's going to come in contact with, with, with that community. Well, the way that I make my grilled cheese is, you know, I use my iron cast skillet and I put me some lard in it. You know what I'm saying? I, I use some of that. I use some lard. You know, what you talking about using margarine? No, baby, you got you to gotta, you gotta put some real butter in there, you know. Oh, so you're using, uh, I don't know, sourdough or, or, or rye bread. Well, well, I put wheat and white. Like, you know, that, that exchange and that communication. Yep. It's being humble. It's recognizing the elders. And it's also realizing that, you ain't creating nothing new, baby. Mm-hmm. Like, this, these types of things are happening um, yeah. in community. But you just have to be in community to to, to appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, being humble. I love that. I love, like, I went on your website and I looked at the application. Yeah. So I want to see, like, how are you how are you drawing the people in that that actually want to be part of this type of economic development and so yeah so you have to be great be humble to be great you have work with nature which is a great way to talk about sustainability that isn't like a a word that makes people think oh this is just a white environmental thing right like lots of people connect to being with nature um grow your community like it's not just about your own business right think in systems that it's that what you're doing in food is not just about your business it's about the whole food system there's like 10 points people can go on and look but at the heart of what you're talking about is this piece about relationship building and about healing community and I resonate so much with what you're doing because this is what motivates my work and my life is about how food is a catalyst for social change, which I know is, when I saw that on your website, I was like, yes, that is my life. (laughs) And, and this piece around like coming together through food and building community and, and those relationships and, and healing our world and healing our communities because we're broken. Like we're broken because society sort of wanted us to be, people are trying to make money off of the systems that are oppressing people. But I love that you are marrying these two things of economic justice and sustainability and relationship building and healing community as as one thing and doing it in a way that I think 
um, is visible and that um, it isn't like hokey, right? Like you're doing it really from within communities and raising up the wisdom from within communities. And I just, I have so much respect for, for the, what you're doing and the way you're doing it. Yeah, I yeah. was one of the 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 ways um, that we stay connected um, at Food Lab Detroit. And you talked about like building community and connections is that one of the ways we stay connected is both what we call online and offline. Mm. And so that's so super important um, to have those offline connections, whether it's us coming together um, in a um, community kitchen um, every month where we have our member skill shares. These are skill shares that are led for members, um, by members, for members, where they are actually sharing a skill and we're sharing that skill around um, this table in the community kitchen. So we're actually getting together, enjoying a meal, something tangible, um, and we're actually seeing each other, hugging mm. each other. But we also stay connected um, online as well as offline. And I'll just read something that uh, a woman, her name is Melissa, and she posted on our Facebook discussion page. Um, Food Lab has a private Facebook discussion page, as do many organizations, um, where we like to kind of centralize the conversation um, for our members. And Melissa wrote something yesterday at 10 o'clock um, last night, and it kind of touched me. She says, I have never been a big joiner, so I often feel funny that I am not as active as a Food Lab member as other people in this community are. But I just want you all to know, Food Lab is such a wonderful, welcoming community, and I am grateful. Today, Radical Plants was a participant at the Grand Rapids Veg Fest. I had the pleasure of officially meeting James Alto. I got a great big hello and hug from Karen Kahn Schultz and Evan Weber. He went out of his way to come over to me and give me a great big high five. Thank you to these awesome entrepreneurs, and thank you to Food Lab, particularly the staff who set the tone of inclusion. I'm proud to be a part of this family. Mm. I say that to, in the read that to say that it starts with the staff. If we aren't living what we preach to our entrepreneurs, there is no way in the world this community works. And so we spend a lot of time cultivating community. We spend a lot of time thinking about connections because what I know is this, many times your net worth is equivalent to your net work. Mm. You're, and so we spend a lot of time trying to cultivate a network that is inclusive, that is welcoming, that will share resources. Because I personally and my staff personally cannot assist and provide resources and technical assistance to almost 200 entrepreneurs. But if you set the stage, if you create the conditions and the platform, what you'll see is other entrepreneurs will start sharing with each other. Mm. And that's where the real kind of relationships and building businesses, that's where the magic happens. With another entrepreneur, like, been there, done that. Let me show you how to do this. Mm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And they don't come from a place of, I don't want to share this with anybody. I went through hell trying to get this information, and I am not sharing it with anybody else. But we're trying to create an we're trying to create an organization, and as part of one of our guiding principles, too, that we're all on a path. We're all on a path. You may be further down the path than somebody else, but when you see somebody in the back of that path coming forward, help them, mm -hmm. bring them along. Share your resources, share what you know, and help them along the path because somebody helped you. Mm -hmm. So you, it's been around, Food Lab Detroit's been around for over four years, mm -hmm. right? Served over 200 
um, some odd entrepreneurs throughout their time here, amazing partnerships with Ross School of Business and a number of other people and, and organizations in, in Detroit. I'm interested in knowing these four years, I'm sure you learned a lot, but what is the next iteration of Food Lab? How do you grow? What are the next steps? What do the next four to 40 years look like for your organization? That's tough, four to 40. Ah! And so um, I'm going to say immediate next steps for us um, is something that we've started um, working on right now. And so historically and traditionally, Food Lab started out um, as a incubator, incubating what we call good food businesses. What we wanted to tackle when we first started was how to create an organization that at scale we were helping to start, launch, help folks operate sustainably and scale healthy food businesses. How do you do that at scale? Mm. And put these healthy food businesses as they begin to grow and mature and scale into neighborhoods that have been historically marginalized for decades. And you're now opening up businesses in those neighborhoods where healthy food is not only needed the most, but entrepreneurship by black and brown entrepreneurs need to be seen the most. Uh, uh. And so so we've been at that for about four or five years and had some tremendous amount of success. I think the next thing for us is that we know that no business can grow and scale without having a team. And so Food Lab 2.0 looks like how do we not only at scale grow and scale food businesses, but how are we also teaching those entrepreneurs, those small business owners now, how to create a culture where they are bringing along a team where they are providing good jobs to Detroiters that's mm. helping them to even make their business stronger. Mm. And so uh, that that is, so good jobs is huge for us, um, particularly in a city like Detroit um, that is suffering right now um, as it relates to poverty. Mm. About 40% of Detroiters um, at the age of 18 and above are at or below poverty, 57% of children, 20% of seniors. And so I feel that the answer to poverty, particularly when you're talking about a city that is 80% African-American, this is what I do know. And reports have, have confirmed this. And this is not only in Detroit, this is nationally. When the number of African-American-owned businesses, when it increases in the nation, employment increases mm. and unemployment decreases. What that tells me is that if you have black businesses, they will hire black people. Mm. And so it is important for us to grow African-American-owned businesses along with businesses is owned by people of color period because they will employ other folks of color in their community and you know what not only will they employ those folks but they will look beyond those barriers to folks who may have a lot of barriers as it relates to unemployment what do you do for folks who are returning back to their neighborhoods as returning citizens where are they going to work what are they going to do what are you going to do for the young teenager who is you know in high school or in school you know, mom and dad are working and they're making cuts right now to recreational programs in schools. Mm. Are these kids just going to roam the streets mm. or are we going to have businesses in, in neighborhoods that are going to hire some of these kids? Right. Mm. And so for us, it's not only about good, good, good food. We're asking entrepreneurs not to step up and also hire Detroiters as well. So so that is what um, good food, good jobs look like for us. And, and I'm going to be a little bit radical in a couple of ways. Number one is I'm gonna be a little bit radical and I'm starting to think about like real um, policy changes that can be made. 
what I do know is that I think that policy should be crafted and written to encourage, to support, and to reward these neighborhood-based businesses that are trying to do the right thing, mm. who are growing sustainable businesses, who are not only thinking about profit, but also locally sourcing sustainability and also people. What are we doing to support those entrepreneurs? Are we giving them tax credits? Are, are, are we are what kind of programs, what kind of policies are written to encourage them? Right. Um, we talk about 40, 50 years later. I know one thing is that I would be devastated if the work that we have done in Food Lab Detroit to help start and scale businesses, particularly in Detroit neighborhoods. If I came back and we had this conversation 15, 20 years from now and I tell you, all you know, y'all, those businesses that we help create in these neighborhoods. They just got pushed out. Mm. These neighborhoods are now gentrifying. And that bakery that we helped start 10 years ago, they can't afford their rent anymore. Mm. That restaurant that we helped start, that business owner launched that restaurant, they just got pushed out. What I'm thinking about is I am thinking about 40, 50 years from now, and that revolves around ownership. Mm. I want these businesses to launch. Mm. I want them to start. I want them to operate sustainably, but I also want them to be in business 10, 15 years from mm. now. So we need to start thinking about ownership strategies. Mm. We really do. And so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, I think what you're saying is so important. When a city wants to recruit a big business, like they, they have this approach to we need jobs, we're gonna recruit a big pharmaceutical company or try to get manufacturing back or you know, get some other sort of, of large business to come in. They give them huge hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars of incentives. And in many we cases, don't even, they don't even need it. We have okay, one, let's, we have, like seriously. Right. Could we talk That's about right. Amazon for a second? And seriously, the courting that is going on right. across the nation with all these cities courting right. them to come in. Right. Really? Right. I, I do believe their CEO is now the richest man in the world or maybe in, in at least in the country. Yeah. Like, okay. Right. And this is this desire to have a quick fix, right? Let's right. win the lottery. Ooh, yes. And yes. to me, it's like we just have to look at the fact that there is vibrancy and wisdom within our communities. And we need to just provide supports to lift those things up and to have them be sustainable. As you're saying, ownership is so important because people go through all this effort to start a business and then the building gets sold to a developer and it's gone. Absolutely. And so I think that we really have to take this approach to economic development that is at a human scale, not at a corporate scale. And that that is what will transform our society because we're never going to go back to what we were, right? We're not going to be a manufacturing company. We're not going to have all the little town villages that we used to have. But it will it will manifest into something else if we bring back some of those supports and don't keep funneling all that money into these quick fix win the lottery strategies. And so I love that that is what you have been doing and and what you're looking towards towards doing more. Yeah, and and here and here's the thing. Um, I think that that is what for some folks um, that makes Detroit so attractive um, to people. Who are coming to Detroit because they see Detroit as this place 
Um, and Detroit has always been this place where folks have come for a better way of life. Listen, my mother and father came to Detroit in 1965 due to the fact that they thought that Detroit was this place where they could build a better life for themselves, but not only themselves, but also the, for the family that they wanted to start. And a lot of that is really steeped into this great American dream that was built around the big three. Um, coming to work for Ford, GM, or Chrysler in Detroit meant that you can step into the middle class. Black America in Detroit was the middle class. Mm. Single family home, two cars in the garage, mom and dad working. But the reality is that's not a way of life anymore, at least not in Detroit, due to globalization and deindustrialization um, that has gut our city. And so now we're trying to build a new way. And in Detroit, there's this window of opportunity. It's closing very quickly, I may add. But there's this window of opportunity. This is we now have a chance to do something different. What are we going to learn from our past? And we can do something different that is not based around large corporations, but it is really steeped into community. And what does that look like? Mm. And we're trying to take advantage of that window of opportunity, mm. right? And create something different. Mm. I think just, just to close up here very quickly, one thing I always ask of people like you who, I mean, have inspired me already so much, just this one initial conversation and the lunch we had before this, I'm always thinking, what keeps you motivated? Mm. How are you able to wake up in this morning, wake up every morning and talk with so much passion and love and joy and, and sorrow because of the true understanding of the work that you had ahead of you? I mean, one thing you said was you don't you know that the change you will see won't be in your own lifetime. Right. And, and to know and to wake up every morning and know that, but keep pursuing it. Where do you get the inspiration, motivation from? And 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 how how can I get some of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so what folks don't know because this is a uh, an an interview is that um, they don't see me, um, mm. but but I am a um, African American woman, and it is um, I think um, it is incumbent um, upon me um, to continue the legacy of my ancestors. Mm. Um, there is not a day that um, goes by that I am not acutely aware that I would not be here. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Seriously. Um, and about to give a talk um, later on this evening at Cooper Hewitt in, in, in Manhattan. If somebody had not made a way for me. Do you understand? Um, and, and it could come from the fact, too, that uh, my father um, is a minister and I um, steeped um, in and was grounded um, in a religious home. And there was something that we were taught, my brother and I, and that is to whom much is given, much is required. And so what energizes me, what gives me passion every single day is that I know that I stand on the shoulders and the backs of people who died so that I could be here today. And what a disservice it would be to my legacy, to the people who lost their lives, if I did not, every single day that I woke up, show up and show out. Mm. And I, I do this because I know that I am the seed of my ancestors. And somebody made a way for me. And it is really important for me to make a way for somebody else. And that, and that for me, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, any children. My brother just had a baby girl. Um, so I have a niece um, now that's out in the world. And there's no way in the world that I cannot 
be a part of so many people, yourselves included, that are working every day in this country to try to make a way for the next generation. So, so, so I'm just, I'm just very aware that I am on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with your life while you're here and how are you making it better for somebody else? And that's just, that just keeps me up at night. I mean, it does. It keeps me up at night because I am so grounded and rooted in the fact that, Davida, life goes by so quickly. Yo, you don't even think, I mean, I look at my niece, she just turned uh, one. And I remember the day she was born, like seriously. And then on one hand, I'm a part of something that's called the sandwich generation. And that is like you're right in the middle, right? So I have new life that was brought into my family a year ago with the birth of my niece, Aaliyah Davison. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I have my mother and father who are now in their 70s, who just celebrated their 50th um, wedding anniversary. So there's this cycle of life that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. New life coming in and my mother and father knowing that they're living in their last days. Mm -hmm. And that for me, I'm acutely aware of how short life is. And if you don't do something, something small, that with your life during the time that you in here, my mother used to sing a song at church that says, Mama used to sing, is my living in vain? And I just don't want my life to be in vain. So I work and I work hard. I love my niece and and I am so glad that she is in this world. But somebody who doesn't have any children, my work is my legacy. And so how is my work giving birth to the, in the world that is going to leave a legacy for somebody else? So that's the reason why I do this work. Because I want it to live forever. Mm. And I want it to impact more people generation after generation so. mm. thank you oh you're welcome mm. well i have to tell you i've been listening to you both in this interview and the two hours beforehand <laughs> with such joy in my heart and i will tell you that you nourished the 20 people sitting around this table mm. on this farm today in this city with so much inspiration so much radical clarity about what needs to be done and what you just said about why you're living your life. I think you fed us and, and the messages and the stories and the, the wisdom that you passed on to us today will have a life beyond this moment. And so I'm grateful for, for all that you gave. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope to be back. Man, I can't, I can't wait to come back. I'm, you know, um, I, I have not spent um, enough time in New Haven, um, but I hear that there's so many parallels between mm -hmm. New Haven and Detroit. Um, I just might adopt y'all and call y'all our sister city. <laughs> um, we, we accept that adoption. And um, I just, I really, I want to come back. I want to keep in touch. I want to see what you guys do because there is some, there is some passion. There is some power in this city. The mm -hmm. 20 people that I met today, I'm telling you, are on fire mm -hmm. um, for radical change. Mm -hmm. And it only takes a few. Yep. It only That's takes true. a few, guys. Um, and so thank you for having me. And I look forward to being back. Thank you thank so much. You. Oh, you're welcome. Many thanks to Davida Davison for making time in her very busy schedule to spend the afternoon with us. And much gratitude to the Yale Sustainable Food Program 
for bringing DeVita to New Haven and co-hosting this episode of The Table Underground. Thank you to Oni Obiocha for co-hosting the conversation with me and to Austin Brynierski for all his fabulous organizing work. My main objective to inviting DeVita here and gathering all these different people together to meet her was to reinvigorate the conversation about supporting food businesses and to revision what a food business incubator can look like. For the past five years, people in New Haven, including the city and outside groups, have been trying to figure out how to build a large-scale commercial kitchen to support food business development. Something like that has a minimum price tag of $700,000 or more to build. What Food Lab Detroit is doing takes an entirely different approach to supporting food businesses, and it also focuses on the most marginalized communities, which will bring lasting, vibrant economic development and transformative change to our communities. In addition to the trainings and network support and policy work they do, Food Lab Detroit also helped to build something called Detroit Kitchen Connect. This is an alternative to building a large central kitchen. It's going out and creating networks of existing kitchens that are underutilized. This is something that we already informally do. Detroit Kitchen Connect went out and found church kitchens, restaurants that might only be open for dinner, but weren't utilizing their kitchen in the morning hours or in the overnight hours, and they have built a network of existing kitchens that want to rent out their space to other people. There's a lot of work and details that goes into building that network and actually get it functioning, but it's a great way to utilize the resources we already have and create kitchens that are located in all different areas around the city, making it more accessible to more people. If you're a local listener and you're interested in getting involved in supporting food businesses in the way we described in this show, just email me at thetableunderground.com. You can find photos, recipes, videos, and additional info about Davida Davison and Food Lab Detroit on thetableunderground.com. Always check out the website for other non-audio articles packed with photos, inspiring stories, and delicious recipes. Thanks for listening to The Table Underground. You can check us out on any podcasting site and please leave a review up on iTunes if that's where you listen. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook and always check our website for more info too. Thanks for listening.